Hey, book buddies, this is your host, Dylan. Look, we pulled together this Radical Candor episode, and it ended up being about 100 minutes long. We had so much to say about Radical Candor, so we've broken it into two episodes. I hope you enjoy both episodes. The next one will be coming out in our next release. Thanks so much for listening. I am your host, Jason Lafferty. I'm your host, Dylan Dentremont. We are two dudes who review books. Dylan, my dude. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I'm seeing nodding. Yes, uh, yes. I me... Hey, yeah. it's if I turn my volume on and Wait. then I can hear the noises that my computer makes. Technical uh, skills can be hard. Yeah, you know, I mean, you'd think in the modern age, I would like be <laughs> this Zoom master, but Zoom. Know, we still get tripped up every now and again. The master of Zoom. Uh, how's it going, dude? Uh, good. Uh, we've got a new background going on for you. You're yes. in a new, a new venue situation going this on. Is the, uh, this is the upstairs uh, bedroom. Which you have not heretofore seen uh, not. in the daylight yeah. hours. <laughs> um, my, uh, this is uh, in honor of um, a little bit of a change we've had at my house. Um, my mother-in-law has moved in uh, into literally into the space where I used to record these broadcasts. Um, so, um, at least temporarily, I am relegated. Uh, at least oh, not to the doghouse or the shed, right? <laughs> the, the, yes. I'm, uh, I'm up yes. here in the bedroom, so my background is um, the delightful works of Justin Hillgrove, if I could plug him. He's not paying me for this. Unpaid endorsement. You're welcome, Justin. <laughs> uh, yes. he's, a, he's a fantastic local uh, you know, artist, and he does a lot of uh, kind of cartoony sort of fantasy-ish uh, works this set behind me and we actually have two more pieces that are part of this set are little red riding hood yeah. right but kind of a different interpretation where the wolf is uh, a protector instead of a predator yeah like a bestie yeah and this this appealed to my my wife and i um my wife is a redhead and um you know if i can be honest just looking at me it might be hard to tell if i'm a predator or a protector so i kind of oh. get where the wolf is coming from on this one are, are a redhead yeah uh, there you go absolutely yeah yeah well welcome to new venue it's good to be here yeah yeah i i'm i'm excited to die i you know i said this last time we talked I, I think what gets me excited is we're talking about again about a book that um we haven't talked about before and yeah, you know, the, you know, pumped I get, uh, Dylan, when we talk about books that we've never talked about before. I, so, I love it. I love it. Super, super exciting. Yeah, yeah. So now you were doing all this moving last week. We were supposed to talk last. Like we 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 both had last week off. Mm-hmm. We were supposed mm-hmm. to talk last Sunday. Yep. And things went sideways. 
you know, the whole, the whole mother-in-law thing, uh, put, put me behind a little bit, you know, somebody had to build her room. Um, I tried to talk my eight year old into doing it. She's not tall enough. Um, so it, it fell yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, if you didn't bail, I probably would have, cause I was building the deck. Oh, and, that's right. Yeah. And super behind on the deck and oh. not hundred percent complete yet. Oh. And so I was like, pushing in these these uh you know this i was pushing through notes on the book and trying to figure out and you know making sure i could i could talk about it and i'm i'm glad you bailed because it gave me more time to to because i've read the book i read the book before so right give me time to explore my notes it gave me time to you know reread some stuff Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so yeah now tiana i found out uh, and I got about halfway through the book before I was like, wait a second. Why does this, some of this stuff sound so familiar? And it's because Tiana has, has read this book. I'm, I'm putting that in quotation marks. Yeah. We'll go ahead and back that up a little bit. My wife has read this book. We'll put that in quotation marks. I think a lot of corporate America uh, yeah. ha- has read this book. It's kind of a in thing. Now, question for you. Did you read the the revised edition? I did not read the revised edition more than likely. I think it, I was like it's gonna pre-revised. be like we're talking about two different books. Okay, I'm no, kidding. perfect. It's it's, no. Not, it's <laughs> there's like there's like an extra few pages and they probably go deeper into some cool stuff. And she yeah. um she starts off by kind of acknowledging. Um, the space that radical candor. So the, when I say she, of course, I mean Kim she, Scott, she, the Kim author. Kim Scott, yeah, yeah. Um, she acknowledges that radical candor, um, frankly, has been been used by some bosses to to be crappy bosses, to be um, obnoxious aggressor, rude. Yeah, yeah. they've they and, the and, deep obnoxious aggressor. And she acknowledges in the book, uh, she's pretty forthright about it. Um, And the way, you know, she's kind of got four different categories of of boss or leader, if you will. And radical candor is just one category. It's not like, it's it's a character trait that somebody has. It's actually (laughs) two character traits, right? How much caring a lot, caring personally about people. And then what what she... um, I'm struggling to remember the name. It's challenged directly. That's what yeah. it is. And by challenge directly, she means like basically telling the truth kind of right to people's faces. Um, yeah. And the point that she was making is that people were just kind of going right for the, I'm going to speak truth right to people's faces because that's radical candor. Uh, and it's not, it's leaving behind a whole no. other dimension. It's leaving by a huge, huge dimension. Um, and that, that caring personally, it, it can get really, can get really dicey. Mm-hmm. So, so overall, what did you, what were your thoughts on the book? You know, as I was reading through this, so I have been an educator for eight years. Um, and what I'll say is that a lot of the stuff that I was reading here has, it is very similar to what I've been reading as far as best practices in education and frankly, best practices in parenting 
as well. Uh, a lot of this was really orbiting that. I mean, like, like really, really well. A lot of the books she spends talking about feedback, and that is huge in education. Um, she calls it guidance. She doesn't, um, she's not very consistent about calling it feedback, but that's yeah. what it is, right? You're yeah. telling people how to move forward. Um, and so, of course, in education, you know, we say that, that um, feedback is kind of the hinge that joins teaching and learning. Um, and so she spends a big chunk of the book talking about feedback and ways to deliver it and what to look for, even all the way down to, you know, being explicit about what body language we should be looking for when we're delivering feedback as, as managers or bosses. Well, the, the reference I really like that she makes in the, in the book is uh, uh, practicing rattle candor uh, and someone's fly being down. Mm, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you know, being that jerk and be like, hey, buddy, your flies mm -hmm. down, like in the middle of a meeting versus like, you know, hey, pulling someone aside. Hey, I'd really like someone to tell me that was kind of her example. I'd really like someone to tell me, you know, uh, but I want you to know your flies down. Like, Yeah. Well, and she uses that example to kind of also flesh out sort of the rest of her heuristic, the rest of her model. Right. Yeah. So if if you because she's got the four quadrants and your your vertical axis so to speak is how much do you care personally yeah right and if i don't care personally about you or about your your feelings then uh, you know i'm going to meet your situation with apathy uh, um um or or uh, maybe worse yet i'm going to try to belittle you to improve my state <laughs> right and, and yes. make fun of you so that i look powerful so that i look yeah. strong and that's the hey idiot your flies down right yeah. that's yeah. that's all the way down to what unfortunately a lot of people they're like that's radical candor just tell him that his flies down um but that's not a no. very caring way of doing it especially if that person's being called out in front of a whole bunch of other people yeah right? that's obnoxious aggression that's oh, what yeah. that is yeah you know one of the things that she says uh in the book and so i did getting ready for this i i she's got a ted talk kim scott's got a ted talk i listened to that nice. uh there's on her website uh, uh radicalcandor.com uh she, she uh they've partnered with second city and they have this uh this series with david allen greer called mm -hmm. the feedback loop okay uh, and it's about putting uh, radical candor to practice and it's actually it's it's cheap it's it's 60 dollars for the year um and so i wouldn't signed up for it i haven't you know i like just signed up before we started talking <laughs> but i i signed up for it like but she really one of the things i feel like she really emphasizes in the whole book and i'll, I'll read the quote because i don't want to get wrong it's sure. uh, radical candor does not start at the mouth but at the other person's ear yeah right absolutely and that caring deeply if you don't feel and i feel where i relate to this is you know you get a performance review and if i didn't feel the boss cared personally about me mm -hmm. the the feedback they gave me really didn't matter much right mm -hmm. it could mm -hmm. have been direct but it, it just came across as that obnoxious aggression type thing and that how someone takes it is super important yeah and 
I, I feel like I've struggled with that personally mm-hmm. is, you know, coming across like, Hey, I really do care about you. Mm-hmm. Cause it's easy to, sl- uh, to slide into and go, Hey, you're doing this wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. This you're doing this wrong, right? Your ship. Let's go forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, it, it, in the book, she, I feel is, she does tackle performance reviews and, and kind of, yeah. she doesn't break it down as do's and don'ts, but there's kind of some do's and don'ts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to go so far as to say that she rags on them. I feel like she thinks that they are sort of a necessary evil, but the, I felt like the main driving point that she was making is that by the time you get to a performance review, there should be no surprises. Yes. The, the person... Your performance review, evaluation, metric, whatever it ends up being for that individual should not be a shocker, not remotely, because the whole point of radical candor is, is this guidance and feedback mechanism that emphasizes timely, um, I almost said improper, but timely (laughs) um, and immediate, or at least as, as proximal as you can feedback um and then the other angle in order to build the the kind of trust you need for people to be able to hear you and we can talk more about that but in order to build that trust if the only thing you ever say to somebody is is that kind of guidance that feedback that corrective criticism that or constructive criticism depending on uh, how you frame it as an individual um you're they're not going to want to hear you. They're going to get defensive, or at the very least, you'll be wasting your time. At the very worst, you'll be damaging that relationship. So she also talks about, you know, making sure that you're building that caring by incorporating a lot of positive feedback. Um, and up to, and this is again something that we talk about in education all the time. If if I have a student who has academic challenges. And the only thing that student ever hears from me is this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Why isn't this turned in? Sit down, turn around, stop talking, quit drawing on the right. If it's this constant stream of corrections, I'm just grinding away at that relationship. And so even if, even if I'm right, even if I hand him back his math test and I'm like, Hey, I noticed that you made this error over and over and over again, and I could be the best mathematics clinician on the planet. I'm not. Um, (laughs) But even if I were, it doesn't matter. The kid's not going to hear me because I haven't taken the time to to basically show, I almost said convince, but really show that I actually care about that student. And and that's, she lays out a process about that. She, it's, and I'm, I'm trying to remember the process off the top of my head. And I, if I get it wrong, I get it wrong. But, you know, it was basically like asking for feedback, mm-hmm. giving, it was basically like asking for feedback, giving praise, and then giving radical candor. And you had to, you had to establish by giving praise and asking for feedback, you're building trust before you're even giving radical candor. Because if you can't, fall into that care personally thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't matter yeah um, and she yeah. really emphasized one-on-one meetings with reports like, yeah. as a way to facilitate that one-on-one meetings and really get to know 
know because it's difficult yeah it's it's hard right i mean i I, i'm thinking about some people that i know that work on a factory floor (laughs) right with big machinery grinding things to bits and uh imagine trying to hold a conversation in that environment and really getting to right that's difficult well and so i've i've always thought of it that there's the kind of the uh fire theory we'll call Mm -hmm. it i'm making this theory name up as we go here but it's like financial independence retire early is it? Uh, yes, is our, that's is our podcast it's, is is not that successful no, yet. No, okay. Yes, no, it it's so the fire alarm goes off, right? Mm-hmm. And are you asking people, what do you do now? What do you think we should be doing? Mm-hmm. No. Exit the building. Mm-hmm. Go here. We're going to meet at this point. Yeah, like it's very direct. It's very straight. And it's not said with a lot of care. It's said very concise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you say something like that, and it's not at that point in time, it's not a high emergency, it can come across as, you know, you're just being a jerk. Mm-hmm. But when you have this moment, and if you don't, if you don't say something, someone's going to get severely hurt mm-hmm. sometimes you have to come across as a jerk uh, what i'll say on that though is you should follow it up hey i you know I, when i came at you on this I, I probably came off a little bit like a jerk sure you know i want to talk to you about why i came off that way because mm-hmm. you're now going back and building that that trust sure but you have to when you see something like that, you have to take care of it before someone, someone dies. I mean, someone's in a fire. Yeah. That situation, it's a a safety consideration, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to lose an arm if we're not careful here or a life or worse. Right. Well, you know, you and I've been on the firing range. I haven't been around guns as much as you have. And you're telling me, Jason, you're doing this, this, and this, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. This is where you're pointing gun. This is where you're doing this. And it's said with care to keep me safe, but it's very radical candor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's at, yeah. at the very least, it's very direct, right? Yeah, and, and it, yes, yeah, because I care. Yeah, yeah, it might I, be a low, it might be a deep on the radical candor thing instead of a, a high touchy feely, but mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. definitely said out of out of personal safety. Well, and and I think one of the reasons that she's developed this is that if you look at Kim Scott's background, right, it's tech, 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 very tech heavy, right? So in these organizations where you have um, pretty complex tasks and problems that need to be handled, right? I mean, I, I, when I was talking to my wife about this, you know, it was like for a long time, you could have an authoritarian management style and still get a lot of stuff done and be very successful in your work groups um, simply because the tasks were not that complex. I would argue that even in that environment, you could still increase and maximize productivity. You know, imagine um, an an automotive factory back in the day when it was uh, assembly line stuff, right? 
you could you could get by with an authoritarian management style. However, the more you got to know your people and could make sure that their their needs are met, and then you're listening to them, and as you're listening to them, they're telling you ways to make your factory more efficient. Just by the way, how uh, Toyota and other um, foreign car makers have, uh, for a long time, ran circles around American car makers is because they had that that feedback. And one of the first things that she talks about in this book that that we haven't even covered yet is that in order for me or you, me as a teacher, you as a manager, to be able to engage in in and well, coach as, right? as a manager, as a coach, as let's, a coach, let's, let's get my title correct as a coach for me as a teacher <laughs> and for you as a coach, for us to be able to engage in radical candor, it has to be a two way street. Yeah, it has to. And it, that was you have it. to t- you have to get it. You have to give it. Yep. And, and if you're not getting, if there is no room, she actually calls out. Gosh, I'll remember the name of the company here in a minute. But or Johnson and Johnson, there it is. So Johnson and Johnson, at one point, had um, there was like a a a company policy that it was like uh, employees are expected to provide feedback to management. I'm probably getting the wording wrong, right? But it was the implication that it was expected expected that the communication would flow from the line up yeah right at least in certain circumstances but they changed that they changed it to that um communication may flow that direction and it actually substantially changed the culture of the company and not in in her words right not necessarily in a good way because once that communication stopped flowing from your teams and your line workers back up the chain to increase efficiency and maximize productivity from the line up, then um, you ended up running into inefficiencies. And she yeah. talks about that uh, in her, because she has a get stuff done, a GSD <laughs> wheel, right? And um, a, a big part of the GSD wheel is that the decision-making process and where okay. does that who has the power to make decisions? And one of the things that she talks about, and my wife has talked about that too. She works for um, a biotech firm in their IT department. So they are routinely tackling these kind of problems that, that uh, Kim Scott had alluded to. And that's really the decision-making. If management is making all the decisions, that is powerfully inefficient and likely yeah. to lead to bad decision-making really decisions should be made by the people with the best information, not the most information, but the best information to solve that problem. Yeah. If you're not talking, if you're not getting that feedback from people on the floor, Mm -hmm. from people on your team, Mm -hmm. from, from customers. Yeah. Right. All those, all those areas where you can get feedback. If you're just ignoring that feedback. Yeah. You're, you're you're missing that and what she really had called out is kind of that first step is getting that feedback mm-hmm. right? right you have to get you have to get radical candor before you can give it and and it's not just you know on the one hand we can talk about yeah it's it's pretty gross to ignore feedback 
but in a lot of organizations, it, it's not even that feedback is ignored because it's hard to ignore something that's not being presented to you at all, right? And so she actually recommends not only soliciting that kind of feedback. So what I'm talking about is from the line to management, from teams to team leaders, when information flows in that direction. So specifically asking for information to flow direction, not to say it's safe for information to flow this way, not to say it's okay, but in fact, to do what Johnson & Johnson started at, which was, it is expected that information will flow this way. Yeah. If, yeah. if, we, are, if we are being inefficient or if I am making a, a poor management decision or if there's a policy that is holding you back from being the best employee that you can possibly be, you, you are expected to say something. Yeah. And she talks about Steve Jobs and he was apparently famous for... Um, Really getting, getting, he would hire and surround himself with incredibly intelligent people, right? Yeah. And then if they missed stuff and didn't challenge him on crappy decisions he was making, he got mad. But was it, so what is it, Steve Jobs also, because I, I think it's in the book, they give a transcript of a Steve Jobs interview. Mm -hmm. And he was saying that he was his very direct oh. phrasing. He was helping not taking things personal mm -hmm. by, mm -hmm. by identifying it as work and not the person. Right. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was giving that feedback, but he was also expecting that feedback mm -hmm. and calling people out on it when they were giving them BS. I'm like, right. no. Or, or just agreeing with him, yeah. Steve Jobs, right? That's not what he wanted from from the people around yeah. him. He, he needed yeah. them to um, push back when it was time to push back, right? Yeah, and, that and you, that's how you grow. Mm -hmm. So, so as a teacher, I mean, I've you know spending my time leading and working with adults is different than spending time with kids. So. How do you get, I mean, we're talking eight, six, somewhere in there. Uh, how are you getting feedback from, you know, kids? You know, the main, you're right in that on the one hand, it is different. Uh, in that, because they are, they are different, right? I'm working with kids. I'm working with 10-year-olds is probably my average rage. Average rage. Ah, so mad I'm ten. Average, uh, average rage uh, is the average age that I'm working with. And I would one thing that jumped out at me right away was I remember um, as part of my military career, right? Uh, you you get promoted. I heard about that. And, yeah, yeah, and, and then you get in charge of people, and and this is true in a lot of organizations too. Not every organization. You will have a handful of reports a handful of people that you are their direct supervisor now they may be somebody else's direct supervisor and that's fine but a handful like five maybe eight you know even my even when i was in um weapons department uh, the the head honcho the department head the commander in charge was in charge of five divisions Five divisions, that, that's five lieutenants or lieutenant commanders that would report to him. Those were the people, the specific individuals that he had to have radical candor with. 
And I would actually argue that even though I didn't know the term back then, I think my commander did a darn good job of it <laughs> from what I know of his communication style. Um, five people, right? Now, then those lieutenants in turn had to have good communication with their chief, their lead petty officer, and a couple admin people, right? So again, four or five people that were their direct reports. The difference is that in education, with, with me managing a classroom, I have to develop radical candor quality relationships with 20 to 30 kids, not all of whom, by the way, are trusting of adults, not all of whom, by the way, see school as a worthwhile endeavor. And even in the military, eh, maybe not so true, but out in the business world, look, if it, my, my wife is a manager and if somebody thinks that she's a crappy manager, um, they can leave, right? Yeah. If, if they don't get along with her for some reason, maybe it's- just so They have the call. option to leave. Yeah. They have the option to leave. My students do not, which means that invariably, no matter how hard I work, there's, there may be a couple kids that, that I just don't do it for them, right? Maybe somebody that looks like me was mean to them one time and they're just <laughs> not able to get over that, right? And, and that's okay. I certainly don't hold that against kids. The point that I'm driving at here after all that yammering <laughs> is that I have to develop these relationships with 20 to 30 kids, 20 to 30 kids, six to seven times as many as kind of what is sort of the standard in the business world. Would you say it's easier with adults than kids? Um, you know, you're still going to run into some of those issues. I, I would argue, based on my experience in the professional world, um, between the military and other work that I've done, and frankly, my peer relationships, um, I do have a leadership position uh, in the school. So my peer relationships and my, um, the relationships that I have in terms of how the department works I would say that it is easier with adults. And I think part of it is that adults come to work by and large that they want to do. You know, they want to do good. I, they want to do good. They want to be part yeah, of the system. Yeah. You know, I, it, I'm a department head and I know all my teachers enjoy teaching. And even if I get a teacher that doesn't like teaching today, <laughs> he or she went through all the credentialing to get here. They could have gone to a different grade level. They could have gone to a different school. They could have subbed for a year and just taken a break. They, they showed up yeah. on purpose today. Um, whereas kids, uh, a lot of that choice is taken away from them. And I think that does make it harder for some kids to commit to that level of relationship with their teacher. Now, oh, I have the added advantage, advantage that I'm an adult <laughs> and I welcome them into my space and by and large, kids do appreciate that, right? And even though I might look like something that fell off of a Marine Corps poster, um, <laughs> I, I don't act that way. Um, I'm, I'm fun and funny with the kids. And she even talks about the role of humor in developing radical candor yeah. and that there are certain types of humor even that are um, instrumental, I'll say, in developing radical candor. And, you know, for all of the people out there that might be listening to this that just heard that and think to themselves, I'm not funny. You're funnier than you think you are. Let's start there. 
And also it's a skill that can be developed um, just like any skill. Yeah. So, you know, I think my question about, about kids versus adults, it really came from, um, so I got a little one. Mm-hmm. And one of the nice things about having a, a toddler, right, is they'll say funny things. Mm-hmm. And the funny things is just them being direct. So yeah. it, it may be a, a, a challenge directly. It may just be a direct. It, it's coming from a, a care personally. There's no hate in it. I feel like toddlers are like this epitome of radical candor. <laughs> very right? direct, yeah. Yeah. So it's just this very direct. The thing is, is when you're giving kids radical candor, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's that there, that choice you talk about. I'm taking this away from you. Okay, so it's no longer time for TV. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we're wrapping it up for bed. You know, I understand you want to do this, and we'll 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 spend some time tomorrow cuddling and watching TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now, it's time for bed. Now, what they're hearing is, you're taking my show away from me, and I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And you're challenging directly. You're being in that radical candor. Now, with adults, adults, I, I think it's easy for them to drop into the other three categories, mm-hmm. right? And stay in those other three categories. Um, and it can sometimes be a lot harder to help them understand that you're, you care personally. Sure. I think, uh, I think you're absolutely right. And I think part of it is that, um, you know, adults have had a, a little bit more time to develop some trust issues, right? Adults have had a little bit more time to um, develop those trust habits. Develop those, you got to work on those too, folks. Yeah, uh, in a bad way sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, because they have a they have a longer length of experience that they're going off of. Yeah, where you have a toddler that's got what three years of experience going off of, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. They've got all this personal baggage that they've had, and you may. I, you may, I may look like the boss that pissed them off before. Maybe I have the same name. Maybe I have, you know, whatever that is. But that still gets back to one of the principles of radical candor, which is get to know your people. Get to know your people. It does not, you can't demonstrate if, if you look and sound and have the same name as the manager I had at my last company that I hated, despised because he was such a yard arm that I just couldn't deal with it. And never processed that that issue. Exactly. And you carried it forward. Mm -hmm. And if I'm just if I'm just sitting here holding on to that and I see that every time I look at you, that's obviously going to lead to some problems, right? But it's 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 your job as the manager to make space to unpack that, to show that you're willing to accept criticism, to show that you're not that guy, that, that you're genuinely trying to be a good person. And in my experience, um, you know, again, this is with kids, 
but it, I think it also works with adults too. Sometimes people don't want to open up to you and share their life story the first time you talk to them, right? And maybe not the second time. And they could be a, a super private guy and maybe not at all. You may, you may gleam things here or there. And, but... and every, every teacher, now again, recognizing that kids are not adults, <laughs> every teacher who's taught for, I can, I can promise you, every teacher who's taught for more than three years has had at least one student that does this. You tried to connect with them all dang year long and you thought you were getting nowhere. <laughs> and you worked so hard, right? And, and you just really tried. And then like the last few weeks of school come into play and you're like, ah, you know, I've missed my opportunity. I really wanted to connect with this kid. I feel like I missed it. We'll get them next time. The last day a school comes and that same kid that you thought that you had not connected with is crying his or her little eyes out, hugging your leg because you are the only adult in their life that has even tried, that has cared yeah. enough to try to connect with them. And you don't know that in the moment. You can't know that in the moment because they're not communicating with you for whatever reason, but it does matter interested is interesting right and, and so just trying and you don't need to be a nerd about it you don't need to be a pushover you don't need to be aggressive either but just genuinely taking an interest in people genuinely taking an interest in kids really just genuinely taking an interest in the people around you it ends up paying huge dividends and is ultimately an investment worth making you know i'm looking around looking at other books that are laying on my desk or kicking around uh the the four stages of psychological safety mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, it's kind of in a way what you're talking about is this this psychological safety that is creating this inclusion and allowing people to open up yeah and with without that now that open up may be different in different ways they may be opening up to you but at home they're completely shut down and you think they're shut down at school or whatnot so i, I get kids that come to me where they will spend more time with me in a week in, and by the way this is including weekends they will spend more time with me personally as their classroom teacher over the course of a week than they will spend with their parents uh, yeah. right yeah. And it, or just with other adults, period, the end. Never, never mind parents, specifically moms <laughs> and dads, grandmas, grandpas. A lot of these kids will go home. I, maybe a lot is aggressive, but there are some of these kids that will go home and they will be unsupervised until pretty much bedtime or only supervised by an older sibling who is nah. usually not supervising, <laughs> yes. right? Their supervision is the TV. Mm -hmm. Their supervision is YouTube. Um, I've used and, that And then they'll come back to me the next day. And of yeah. course, they're not getting homework done. Yeah. Right? There's no one there yeah. to hold them accountable. Well, it, yeah, I mean, I feel like we're a little off topic from the book. A little. Not, that, not, <laughs> not, in a, not in a bad way at all. Sure, sure. What you are saying is very eye-opening that kind of, that not kind of, that relates to you know, what we're, we're talking about and dealing with when we're mm -hmm. around people um, is that for most people's jobs, unless you, both you and your wife work at home, 
uh, most people's jobs, you're around your coworkers more mm-hmm. than you're around your wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than around your your significant other on a regular basis. And you saying that, I'm like, I'm thinking about my little one who I can hear pitter patter feet running uh, around, uh, and then uh, I'm uh, selfishly uh, down here recording a podcast with you as <laughs> she's getting ready for bed. <laughs> but yeah we we spend a lot of time at work and i I think with that this radical candor it it it, it, it's really important because i don't know how many people i've i've coached or or talked to or heard in passing where there's just a level where they're not happy with their job Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they just feel like they're punching the clock and They they may feel like they're part of the system, but they're not happy with it. And it's like, if we had a better system of radical candor in workplaces, mm-hmm. and not just workplaces, if individuals, because it doesn't have to just be a boss that's being radical. You can you can go and read this book, you can learn this and start being more radically candid with your boss. Now, it may suck a little bit during that. They, You may find out that your boss isn't going to change and there's nothing you can do about it, but you can change your environment. Yeah. Well, and she, she talks about that. She actually addresses that directly um, near the end of the book that you as an individual, as a middle manager, or even as an employee that, that is not a manager, a line, whatever that looks like in your world, um, you can still engage in a lot of these radical candor practices. Yeah. Using radical candor to communicate up the chain of command is, is fine. In fact, it's what she would prefer. However, if you walk into work tomorrow and try to, um, throw some challenge directly onto a (laughs) boss that's not ready for that kind of communication. Maybe you don't have the relationship. Maybe that's just Mm -hmm. not the kind of work that they signed up for. Um, I don't want to say maybe they're unenlightened, but it's just not something they'd have had training in, not a particular form of communication that they respect. They can be dangerous for you. Or Uh, you've done arts of 360. You've never done this before with your boss. mm -hmm, And you're like, I'm going to try this out yeah and you're like oh, oh, oh yeah that could go very I, badly yeah <laughs> yeah so i'm not saying go out and read this book and then go you know tell your boss he's being an asshat but mm-hmm. you know definitely you have to you have to and like she sets it up you have to get radical candor and you have to listen to it i had a boss once pull me in there was an employee that was upset enough to surpass me didn't feel like I was doing the job and went to my boss. Mm-hmm. My boss pulled me down and said, Hey, I got this feedback. And I'm like, okay, let me have it. And he goes, it's not going to come from me. I'm going to invite the, I'm going to invite your employee in here. They're going to give you the feedback and you're going to sit there and listen and acknowledge it. Okay. And I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And the feedback I got from that employee was more powerful than me getting the feedback from a boss. Sure. Um, one, uh, 
it was how the, the feedback was packaged by them was was good that can be a very dangerous thing if the fe- feedback is is not good it, it won't really go anywhere mm-hmm. but how they packaged the feedback was 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 solid and yeah. uh, at the end and one of the things that kim scott uh, calls out is encourage it yeah um i i thank them profusely thank you for giving me this feedback thank you for letting me know that you felt this way um and you know i i even threw out there is it okay if i ask a question and i'm like hey is there is there some ideas that you may have that will solve some of these things you've brought to light Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they did and i'm like awesome um, can we meet? Can we talk some more about it? Would you be up for that? Like, mm-hmm. but I, I sat there and I, I got it, and our relationship improved, and mm-hmm. I got that awareness. Now I had a boss that was that was we had a, a good relationship, and was able to put me in this situation, right? And I, I commended him for that as well because without that, you know, I may have had a blind spot that i just well wouldn't have known about and i could have learned about the hard way where another boss is like hey you're doing this wrong fyi you're fired right well and go ahead i'm sorry i was just gonna say so you know this this book has it it approaches all the different angles that you need to be giving and getting feedback and giving praise Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm and even arguably like the the she actually lays out just a, a three, three words to help you either give praise or guidance. Uh, and I don't know, in my version, it's, um, I don't know, it's near the end. Um, but it's, what was the situation? What was the behavior? What was the impact? Situation, behavior, impact. So if, yeah. uh, if, if I've got an employee who um, spoke out of turn at a staff meeting, right? And, and maybe mm, said something inappropriate, right? If I, if I just go to that person and say, you're stupid, get out of here. That, <laughs> that's not very actionable feedback, right? No. Whereas it doesn't really tell them what they did wrong. doesn't say when it happened, doesn't say what they could do better, right? So as opposed to situation behavior impact, the situation so I could say at the staff meeting this morning, right? You laughed out loud at a YouTube video that you were watching on your phone with your earbuds in, right? The impact was that you laughed out loud in the middle of us trying to honor a colleague who passed away from cancer and it came across as really callous and disrespectful, right? So as opposed to me just saying, you're stupid or you're inattentive or, or whatever, I've now managed to make it a little bit more clinical. Here's the situation. Here was the behavior. Here was the impact. Can I don't you, need any of those kind of ad hominem sort of attacks where I'm telling somebody that they're inattentive, where I'm attaching a label to them, right? You're lazy, you're inattentive, you're disrespectful, you're rude, right? It's this is when it was, this is what it was, and this is how. It was situation, behavior, impact. And what I like about that SBI model 
we do acronyms here. I, if you, okay, you, I like you, that. You, you forgot that or not. But the SBI model, one of the things I like is you can use it on both sides. Oh, yeah. So that same scenario, you're looking like, here's the situation. You know, today in the staff meeting, you know, while we were honoring Kevin, right? Mm -hmm. um, you, you spoke up and you shared some kind words about Kevin. And I, I want you to know that from my point of view, I think the impact that that had was showed heart. And I think it brought your team closer together, mm -hmm. whatever that is. Sure, but yeah. you can, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. right and, and what i like about the sb model is also is when you're posing a a radical candor conversation right it's it's easy to kind of lay that caring personally in here mm -hmm. you know uh you know during the staff meeting today here's what i noticed i think the um conversation in the book mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, where she was, so she's giving this these speeches, and you know her boss is like, "Hey, have you? Do you know that if you you say um a lot?" She's like, "Yeah, it's a verbal tick," and kept chewing her away and chewing her <laughs> away, and then her boss is like, "I see, I'm gonna have to be more direct with you." <laughs> yeah, when when you say um, it, it makes you sound stupid. Yeah, makes you sound sound. Right. Sound. Important. And they they had a relationship. They had yeah. a they had it was all there. And I'll but know yeah. I'll asterisk this by saying that that particular boss started that conversation by saying like three or four things that she did really well. Yeah. Over yeah. the course of that presentation. And then it wasn't until like the fifth item on her list of things to talk about was here's something that I felt could have been better. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. Kim Scott also said that she was the one that, oh, Oh, they're asking me to walk down the hall. What did I do? Uh, yeah, I'm in trouble I, I, now. I, the we, teacher we, wants to talk to me. We <laughs> all get in that mindset. Of, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm getting called in here. What did I do now? I, I, I find now when I have to talk to kids, I'm like, you're not in trouble. Just come, just come talk. It's okay. And, you know, sometimes I will do that. If I have to, to talk to somebody, um, I'll be like, hey, do you have a moment? Um, and I'll give, you know, I wanted, I want to discuss this really quick do you have a moment mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah well and again you know what's what's great about that that sbi model um is that it also interfaces really well with something that she wants to drive about radical candor is that that timeliness of feedback right she actually doesn't want you scott the author does not want you to go to your desk open up your laptop schedule a meeting for that person to talk about this thing. She wants you while you're walking down the hall after the staff meeting to address that situation. Hey, this is what real, I Real time. Yeah, real time, absolutely. And that timeliness of feedback ends up becoming really important. Uh, you're, you're not sitting on it, you're not waiting on it, you're not uh, saving it for their review. We've heard that one before. Um, really, you're just kind of getting to it to kind of provide that redirection. And I've always regarded feedback and guidance as kind of like, imagine um, a blindfolded person and without touching them, you have to help them walk through a forest, right? Feedback is me saying, 
no, 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 turn a little bit to the left and take 17 steps so that you don't run into a tree, right? Yeah. If I don't give them that feedback until later on, they could be going the wrong direction. And if I'm not giving them that feedback until next week or next performance evaluation, that's a huge missed opportunity. Whereas with the um conversation, she can start working on that quote unquote verbal tick. She can start working on that um right away. And that's another thing that she talks about in terms of from initiating from the ground up candor from employees to management in terms of that if you are a manager and you want to see this radical candor thing work, taking action right away is important. So if you're having a conversation, you're trying to forward the idea of radical candor, you say, hey, you know, I'm trying this new thing. I really want you guys to, uh, the expectation is now that you're going to give me feedback if there's something going on in the office that you don't like, that you think is not working for you. And if somebody says, well, first of all, you're probably going to get met with a lot of stony silence if this is your first time doing this, by the way. Um, but then if once somebody does give you feedback, whatever it may be, we need better snacks in the break room. Uh, yeah. The candy bowls are filled with sugary treats that are not good for our health and we have to resist every time we walk by. Whatever it is, take action. Take action right away. Because the worst thing that you can do if you're trying to initiate this kind of communication is to provide excuses, is to try to maybe some explaining could be in order, but you're going to get a lot more mileage with action, like right away action. She gave another example in the book about um, that she was interrupting people at one of her jobs. And she recognizes that she's kind of a compulsive interrupter. And I'll be honest, um, for some cultures and subcultures, even here in the States, um, interrupting is just part of communication. What? Um, exactly. <laughs> um, but she recognized uh. that it was important to this particular report. So what she did was she reached into her desk, she got out a blue rubber band, and she put it around her wrist. She said, whenever I interrupt, I'm going to have you snap this rubber band against my wrist. And that's going to help me to mitigate my interruption. And she actually ended up introducing that idea to other people. But she was showing that employee that report right away. I have heard your feedback. I am rewarding that communication. Right now, I'm rewarding. So this concludes part one of two of radical candor. We've broken it into two pieces to keep the length where we want it. So part two will be released at our next release date. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Our podcast was originally recorded on Zoom. Special thanks to Skillsoul on Pixabay for providing our intro and outro music. If you've enjoyed this podcast, uh, please hit the like and subscribe button on your podcast provider. Follow us on Instagram at Two Dudes Review Books. Let us know what you think we should review. Keep reading, keep learning, keep growing, keep pursuing what's important to you, and keep listening to our podcast. Stay thirsty, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>